brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, blasting all over your airwaves, whether they be FM or uh, streamed, we're on them. I believe it. Yeah, this is Corey DLG with Busy Usual's little brother Nico. That's me. And we are hanging out on this Thursday morning doing our radio thing. It's true. These are yeah. all true statements. All right, man. I I, uh, <laughs> I read a I read a true crime story that that uh, I'm pretty sure this guy's gonna get away with it. Do love me some true crime stories. So, um, I guess yesterday, somebody. Uh, okay, now listen. I don't recommend this. All right, I'm gonna preface all of this with saying. I don't think this is a good idea, but he, somebody at, um, and they did it at gunpoint. They robbed one of the people who was loading an ATM mm-hmm. and allegedly they got away with between two to four boxes of the cash. Um, there is a ton of money in each of those boxes. We'll get into that in a second, but the description of the guy that the news article gave, and this is why I think he's going to get away with it, was so broad that if this is how they're using, like, usually the news gets a pretty good description of the guy because they want to, you know, you're supposed to be able to help turn the guy in and get a reward or something. Uh, th- there's no way. So they got his shirt in, in height and they said his race, uh, dark skinned. But then when they said his height... They gave like a five inch range. And then when they described the car he drove off in, um, they listed three different types of car. It was either a RAV4 or a Ford Focus or a this. So they don't have a good description. They don't have a good vehicle. Like, Pretty sure this dude's gonna get away. Now he's gonna do something dumb and, and and buy a car or something with the money, and and I can't help you there. He's gonna get caught. But it sounds like he got away with it. Yeah, that or like this is a conspiracy. <laughs> there is no guy. No, no, because apparently, okay, this is one of the reasons they don't do this. Um, apparently, somebody else saw the accident. And fired as the vehicle drove off, and that guy swears he hit the vehicle. Whatever vehicle it may be. Yeah, he couldn't give an accurate description of the vehicle, but he's pretty sure he shot it. Also, what what are you doing shooting at people? That's okay. Reason number one I say don't commit an armed robbery in the streets of Texas is because someone else will shoot you. Um... I've just come to accept the fact that in Texas, everyone wakes up every day and when they say their prayers and they thank the baby Jesus for everything and anything that they're happy about, they finish every one of them with, dear baby Jesus, please let me shoot someone and be a hero today. And then they go about their business. So like in Texas, I just don't think it's a good idea. Well, yeah, like it's it's typically like everyone's like, oh, got to make sure I got everything. They're walking out of the door. They're like, oh, yeah, phone, wallet, keys, gun. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Phone, wallet, keys, gun, Kevlar. 
Yeah, yeah. Fuzzy in array dice that I hang from my rear view mirror every day. Yeah. Uh, it's... Right. Oh, 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 almost forgot my AirPods. I got to get yeah. those. Yep, yep. And, and, and my badge that says good guy. Yeah. Like, like it's just one of the things that, like, you're just going to expect people to just have a firearm. But also, like, I don't know. Like, to me, it's like money's never worth it. Like, unless... yeah, I, I'm like, okay. So, we, especially we if they're leaving, right? Like, if they're running away, being an active threat to no one. Um, this happened, we were talking about it in one of my criminal justice courses when I took it. Was, uh, Guy robbed, guy had just got into the ATM. Uh, he got robbed. Guy was running away with his money and he fired and ended up killing someone else who was in a car passing by. Yeah, yeah. Like, was your money worth it, Doug? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. A, you should get your $220 back or whatever it was. Yeah. B, now you've committed a murder. Right, and it was like a kid too. It wasn't even like an adult. It was oh. like tragic. Yeah, he like killed like an eight year old or a nine year old. It was terrible. Oh, man, nine year old doesn't need to be out during robin hours. Now she was in the she was in the car with her family. It was like, oh man, oh man, yeah, I, yeah, the stories like that make it work. So a long time ago, my friends and I, and we were having a conversation about something, and. You know what? I think I, I want to say even Jenna was there, my sister. So, our sister. I, I apologize. Um, so, literally, there's like 10 of us sitting around, and we're, you know, it's a social study. We're sitting around having a couple of beers. It's a late night party thing. And I guess it was like a news story where a guy, two teenagers had just been killed uh, leaving the scene of a robbery from a house. And my comment was like, man, that's sad. Because they're young. They're, you know, 19, 17, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the group, though, was like, and listen, we're all we're, we're Texans. I think that's, I think this is what it, I really think this is a, an ingredient in this. Um, they were like, they were like what's, what's the problem? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I was like, I'm not getting out of bed to kill somebody for sin with my TV. Like, I just don't think... Like, some things are worth it. Someone's trying to kill you. There's a difference between someone just taking your stuff. Because stuff can always be replaced, right? Right. And so then they were kind of like, well, how would you know? What would you... I said, well, listen, I guess if I was awake and I could hear someone robbing my house and I'm at the top of my stairs, I guess my decision is if they clear the stairs, then I'm, I'm, I've got to take them out. I don't want to, but I've got to. Um, but yeah, if they never come up that way, if they if they you know, take the jewelry out of the bowl in the kitchen or whatever the situation might be for those people, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't know, like probably not chasing you guns blazing for, for, for the very, for, for the very reason you just mentioned, you don't like, okay. They always talk about, I, I've heard the police talk about this before is you're supposed to be checking the background when you shoot because bullets don't just go to where you aim. They go through it. Mm-hmm. So the idea, yeah, you could you could harm, especially in a neighborhood. Like I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a specific crime to fire a gun in a neighborhood, or at least you know should be. Yeah, they think you have like a they have a like accidental discharge or like something like that, something along those lines, collateral damage of some kind. Yeah, where they just don't want people firing guns off 
But the other reason I also specifically say you shouldn't rob ATMs. Um, a long time ago, back when I used to work at the in the bars. So this is this is a million years ago. A couple of the guys that I was buddies with, they just liked really high stress jobs. And when I say high stress, I mean like dangerous jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the gigs that one of them would do, and he would do it twice a week, and and he never and he. He, he loved doing it. Uh, and then he would get paid just an insane amount of money to do it. Um, is Usually when they do ATMs, they do them at night. They reload them at night, okay? Yeah. Well, this usually if you drive by and you notice that somebody's loading an ATM, you normally notice that there's a person standing by the van or by the ATM or whatever. That person is heavily armed and usually wearing body armor. And they are paid by the ATM companies to go with whoever's ma- maintaining the the machines, and that's his job. Is to go like the little the guy will have like a two or three hour route overnight to go load them or uh, reset them or whatever the problem is, and uh, the guy's job is to guard the people or and the money, and specifically they're told by the ATM people. They have insurance on the guy. They're there to guard the money. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, they would get paid crazy money. And typically it's off-duty cops or retired cops that, that sign up for this kind of thing. Because it is, it's there's a good chance you may fire your weapon. But yeah, my buddy would show up with stories every once in a while where he'd be like, yeah, man, had this car follow us three different ATMs. And so... The first time they didn't get out of their car because when I saw them pull up and park, I just reached into the van and I pulled out my uh, my rifle. And he's got he's one of those guys who spends four thousand dollars on an assault rifle. It's got all the accessories on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the thing looks like it's a it, it looks like a rocket launcher at that point because it's got everything on it. And he just clipped it onto yeah. his body armor and was like, "Yeah, man, I just." Just guy guy reaches in and pulls out the, the Star Wars blaster, and you're like, well, I ain't messing with that guy. Pretty much. And they followed him two more times, and he would get out of the car first each time, and he was like, hey, just count to five when I get out, and if I open fire, pull away. And the guy was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nuts. Yeah, and this and he was excited about it. He thought it was great. And, you know, I think he got paid something nuts, like, you know, $150 an hour or whatever it was, but I mean... You know, there was potential that he was going to shoot someone every day. Right. But yeah, I mean, you can't. That's why I say this isn't a crime I recommend doing. However, uh, if you got got away with three or four of those boxes. So for people who don't know, without going into a lot of detail, when you open up the ATM, there's basically um slides and it's almost like uh it's almost like magazines in a gun uh these boxes you stack the cash uh and it the cash touches the edge of the machine can grab the cash and pull it in so those those boxes are i mean probably eight to eight to ten inches l- long. And three-fourths stacked with money? Yeah. Just an absurd amount of bills. It was an absurd amount of bills. Um, 
we had one at Splash on back in the day when I had the job where I was running cash control. And we only loaded one slide and we only loaded it partially. They gave me the box and I was like, I am not filling this box with 20s. Like, that's that's too much money. Um, I was like, it was like our third or fourth season. And I even said, I said, we've gone this long without people pulling cash out. I don't know that we like, yeah. I'm not, not going to put a million dollars in this ATM. Like, I'm not doing it. Um, but we did put, I'll say the amount. It was years ago. I don't know. I doubt they do it the same now. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully they've updated their procedures, you know, in the 12 years since I've worked there. Um, but we, we put 60 grand in it and that was like half of the slide. Like you, I could have, I could have easily fit a lot more money in that slide. And then if there were three of them, that's a pretty good, like 30 minutes of work. Right. If you you get away with three of those boxes, like, like imagine like you're, you're, and this is and this is the part of money that like really boggles the mind, right? Because like you can imagine working and like your hourly pay versus like rate, and it's like criminals or like extremely wealthy people, and it's like just these astronomical sums of money per like second. Like if you <laughs> average it out in your life, it'd be like yeah. If if they get away with this, they they they're in the neighborhood somewhere of. Like a hundred and on the short end, like one hundred and fifty, one hundred and eighty thousand. On the high end, they they could have almost almost half a million dollars just in three boxes. Right, and that was in like an hour, less than less twenty than, yeah. twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah, from from leaving their house to finding this guy and taking this stuff and going home, an hour tops. Pretty good hour. That's a good day. <laughs> and like I said, the article gives the worst description of this guy. The article, as I'm reading the articles, the description in the article, I'm thinking to myself, like, does nobody know like who the guy? Like it. See, and this is where, and this is where, like, here's where you get the good, uh, the, the the conspiracy theory, right? Where the guy's like, well, if you work for the cash truck guy, guy gets a job as a cash truck driver. He's loading the ATMs or whatever. Guy robs him. And he's like, I don't know. He had dark skin anywhere between 5'5 and 5'10. <laughs> he drove, I, I don't know. It was like a standard looking car. Maybe a Ford Taurus or a Toyota Corolla or something like that. <laughs> like, he seems frazzled because, yeah, he got robbed. But right. That's the easiest $20,000 I ever lied about. <laughs> I will say this, um, man. We're just gonna—I'm just gonna spill all kinds of secrets today. Um, one time, I won't give a lot of the details because they didn't catch the person. This was a pretty successful robbery. Uh, one of the little girls who works the toll booth at the front of Splash Town got robbed, mm-hmm. like right after we opened. Um, and they—they they would get one of the larger tills in the park they they would have some of the most money because they're the furthest away from everything and it's kind of a pain in the butt to go out there and make change all the time um but also they just they dealt in big bills so they needed to be able to make all kinds of change and all that 
Um, so they just those tills were some of the biggest ones in the park. Um, the little girl, you know, she couldn't give a very good description because she said, you know, they're not really paying attention. And then all of a sudden there's just a gun in her face. And it's like 10 in the morning on a Friday. Like, yeah, here you go. Um, so anyway, she, she, you know, she didn't have much to say. She said, oh, there was a gun in my face, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, uh, they've got the whole till right away. Cause it was like the third car that drove through. Um, and then, you know, they never were able to kind of lock it down and, and, and get this guy, they couldn't get enough details. And then the poor girl, you know, she's freaking out. So they send her home for the day, then loss prevention, kind of like you're saying, like they didn't know if she was in on it or not because the description wasn't very good. So they felt kind of let down by her. So they didn't want necessarily to bring her back. So the poor girl gets robbed and then basically loses her job for the summer. Terrible. I mean, like, and, like, that's a difficult call because, yeah, like, I'm sure that that's a... And I'm sure those two people are very different. I think that a teenager working at Splashtown versus professional ATM handler is a very different <laughs> level of, like, mental fortitude. Uh, Yeah, probably. Probably 100%. But, but but I would say this: you don't know what you get until you're be until you've been robbed, like until you've dealt a scene that stress. There's no telling what would like. Yeah, that's true. Like maybe, some maybe people... the guy gives just as bad a description, you know. Yeah, because... he's got. It's it's a it's a classic case of you know everyone everyone talks big until they're in the situation, right? Like right. Oh, it's, I'm the it's... toughest guy around, and then like he gets robbed, and you're like, what happened? I thought you were the toughest guy around. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's it's uh man. I used I'm I'm not gonna say his name. That would be mean of me. There was a guy we used to hang out with who would tell you that he was ex special forces. Okay, and then on top of that, that he had spent the first year out of ex special forces, uh, living in an, in a fight camp in Korea. All right. Now, he was a bigger dude. He was in shape and he had some decent tattoos that some of the, some of the people who were special forces would be like, yeah, yeah, you know, I've never seen that particular one, but uh, but it's got the same elements. So, like, could you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're like, I may have not seen him, but that looks familiar enough. Yeah. Like, it's got the dog or the frog or whatever it is specifically for those units or those things. And they were like, yeah, I mean, that's a different one. I've never seen that one. But, yeah, it's got the thing. And so enough of it checked out and he was a nice enough guy that you didn't ever want to be like, well, anyway, one night we're in a parking lot and um, there's this guy just being a problem and he pulls out a little, little switchblade knife thing. Well, our buddy was like, yeah, I got this. And, And honestly, the rest of us were like, yeah, okay, well, you know, super dude. So he's got it. No big deal. Well, he got he got his he got cut in the face because he never even reacted. Like, like the kid walked right up to him and then just swiped at his face with this little bitty knife, and he just stood there the whole time. He just froze the second he actually saw that this guy's coming at him with a knife. And so then he's sitting there and he's in it. it, it 
it was like two stitches and he was totally fine. But he's sitting there while everyone's like the, the little bartender girl that was working that day. She's like, she's calling an ambulance. She's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And there, there is a fair amount of the tiniest cuts are the ones that bleed the most. There's just blood everywhere. Also, it's in your face. Your face has a lot of a lot of blood in your face. Yeah. It's, and he just keeps going, you got me, man. I didn't even you gotta cut me with a knife. And in my head, I was like, what do you think was going to happen? Yeah, I was like, he walked up to you with a knife, too. Like, I don't know where you... Yeah, it's not like he was like, I'll fight this guy. And then he whipped out a knife. Yeah, like, the guy literally pulled out and I was like, come on, let's do this. And he was like, I got this. And I was like... And I think as, as he walked up and started trying to talk himself into doing whatever it is he thought he was going to do, is when he was like, oh, it's a knife. And then he just froze. Yeah, like, thankfully he didn't get stabbed. Yeah, it could have been way worse. And the dude immediately drove off, too. Like, at, like he thought he, like, he peeled out like he murdered someone. And maybe he thought he did because he got the guy in the face. But literally, I mean, yeah, sometimes people talk this big game. And then for, like, weeks afterwards, I was talking, like, everyone who was there was talking to him, and I was like, there's no way he was special forces. Like... There's no way he spent a year in a fight camp. None of that's true. Like it just can't be true now. And yeah. then all and then all the little stuff they're like, yeah, he said he did like his training in Germany or whatever, and that's not where they trained those people. So yeah, it might be wrong. And I was like, wait, if he said that and you knew that the whole time, why didn't you? They're like, well, I, you know, I wasn't sure. But now classic I... classic benefit of the doubt. We just assume that everyone's telling the truth all the time, even though that's. Just not the truth. Well, and it's funny because like we we just we just assume the best in people. Yeah, it's well, a, it's a it's a confidence of like they wouldn't do that. Well, I mean, anytime you so you know, I love me some dateline and in every one of those stories, in all of those stories, there is a you know in the first five, ten minutes as they're setting the premise up that like one of them, the guy's a pastor. Um, he stole thirty million dollars from his community. Yeah, and he did it because his hobby as a pastor was investing, and he was successful. Like he was a good investor of money. So people started in the beginning. It started like as he was doing couples counseling. If they were fighting about money he would make some recommendations about things they should do with their money and it would be good for them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it started. Like word spread that way. And he, and he was intelligent with money, but then he started, it, it grew and grew and grew to like by the third or fourth year, like 30 or 40 people were giving their money to him to invest for them. And he was giving them these returns that were like crazy on paper. See what see what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the people. This is what I mean. I swear to God. Sometimes ah, this is gonna sound bad. Sometimes I think people deserve to be robbed, um, or to be stolen from. One of the people was an analyst, a financial analyst. She worked in the industry of investment, and she heard of it because her friend 
where they would talk every randomly it would come up how's work going kind of a thing and she would talk about investing oh you know oh my team took a beating in the market this week like four out of five of our recommendations didn't pan out blah 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 kind of a thing and she was like you should talk to my pastor my pastor is we did, we, we did, we're up 17% for the year or something. And the woman's like, no, it's a down market. Like, how are you up 17? And she's like, oh yeah, we're way up. We're up big. And the woman's like, you shouldn't be up right now. Like you should at, at best be treading water. And she's like, oh no, we're up double digits. And so the woman knowing that there's no way that that should be correct. Gave her money anyway. She well, first she called the guy and kind of tried to figure out what he was doing, and he didn't want to tell it exactly, but basically he was he said he would just find the stocks and, and opportunities that he thought were going to perform, and he just kind of maybe perhaps had a again he's a pastor, maybe perhaps had a divine intuition about this, um, and therefore was able to successfully invest the money confidently, and she felt so relieved by the conversation with him that she also invested with him. And then to all shock of shocks, it was a Ponzi scheme. Well, at one point, this is okay. This is what's crazy. All right. So he was doing well enough that he grew their money. He then decided it would be cool and I'm saying cool. I don't know. I don't know what it was that made him decide this. But he, this is they did say in the show this is what this is what turned the corner on him. Uh he decided to buy a bank, and this is during like the 0809 crisis. He basically at this point had turned everyone's money into a fund, and he was making these larger and larger investments and stuff, but they were still paying off. And so he bought a bank, and then when he took over the bank, he got into the books, the bank was not as well as he thought it was. So he then, he then turned around and started trying to day trade his way out of it. And that's where, that's where everyone goes wrong. Uh, day trading never works. And he lost something to the neighborhood of like $4 million in a month. Yeah. Sometimes it's way worse than that. That happened to, uh, there's a really big bank in Europe. One of their oldest, one of their oldest banking institutions, literally like so well known that like you talk to anyone and like anyone in Britain, they'd be like, Oh yeah, that like almost like chases over here. It's been around for a billion years. Like one of literally the oldest banking institutions of all time. And they had given basically control of all of their cash to one guy because he just kept like just absolutely like destroying on like exchanges. Who were these people and they wind up Well well get this. He had been he had been gambling and losing all of his money for like years. <laughs> years. Literally years. <laughs> he was taking the bank's money and like he would win some and then just lose forever and then win a couple and then lose forever. <laughs> but the, he kept hiding all of his losses in like a separate like hidden account that no one could see. 
that so was- everyone just assumed that like, oh, this guy's great. He keeps like moving, making all these trades, doing all this stuff. Yeah, all this. And all he's like, the and he's like yeah. nag like forty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which one it is, but one of these ones where it's like, uh, it's one of these con artist ones on you know on Hulu now. They've got just so many seasons of Dateline that I've gone through that I couldn't even tell you. Which one it was, but he was, he, he was like a, a day trader or something for specifically an oil company. And every time they would have a bad month, he was covering them because he was so good at day trading for them. Uh, And then it turns out at one point, he just has like a bad like three months, and that's it. It cripples the company. Yep. Like, and that's and that's the thing about positive markets is that everyone looks like a genius. Uh, leading up to the the two thousand eight financial crisis, there was this uh, this kid. He was like twenty or twenty five, something like that. He was like a he was like a a real estate like titan, and they're like, this kid is trading. Millions of dollars of real estate a day. He's crazy. He's so good. And then he was bankrupt by like the start of the housing bubble. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how that happens. Like everyone's a genius until you start losing. Like yeah, it's it's how you succeed in the downtimes that actually makes you a genius. And that's so. My friends and I, we've been having this debate about Elon Musk. Um. Now I I don't deny the great foresight that he has. Mm-hmm. And and I do think he has a particular skill set in the startup phase of a business where he can turn the corner on things like that. But he also is a great one-man press show and gets a lot of credit for things that necessarily aren't true. Like he's credited as being one of the founders of, of PayPal. Well, no, he actually, there were three guys who were together founding what is essentially PayPal, and he had done a rival startup called, like, X.com or something. Yeah. And he was almost as big a rival as they were, and so they were that company's first acquisition, and the merger out of that became PayPal. So, is he part of the origin of PayPal? Yes. Is he a founder? No. Right. But, oh, one of the founders of PayPal. Um, and so from that, I mean, he made, you know. It's, it's like Tesla. He didn't He didn't design the Tesla car. He didn't make the Tesla. No. Team. And he also didn't name the company. He bought the name of the company Tesla. Yeah, he bought the name of the company Tesla. And he also bought the design from someone else. Because it was like a trio of guys. And then he removed them from the founding page. Right. Like because he just wants the full credit for it. And listen, he's in the position he can do whatever he wants, blah, blah, blah. My issue is I I said I don't when the Twitter purchase started happening. Um first of all, he maxed out his credit cards basically to do it. So he's allegedly the richest man in the world. It's all based on stock value. Um yeah, however he owns, he's, he owns he's Tesla, been, you know the 
company that's worth more than the entire auto industry combined times four. He owns Tesla. He also owns SpaceX and something else. However, he's been uh, some tunneling. I don't know what the tunneling is. Boring company. There it is. However, he's been borrowing against his stock for a while. So to raise the cash to buy Twitter at the $44 billion would basically, I call it maxing out his credit cards. He, he had the lines of credit available, and he had enough stock remaining unborrowed against, but that would be it. He couldn't borrow against any more. Also, the deal basically said that if the stock price dropped 33%, he would have to liquidate stock to cover the cost. Uh, well, in the week following the announcement, it dropped 20-some-odd percent. Uh, dangerously close. So he scrambled to get out of the financing end of that deal and brought in cash-heavy, like, Saudi people and stuff like that, like, just rich whales to help kind of finance the deal. So that he wouldn't have to borrow against the stock, so that he wouldn't have to sell the stock. Um, it, all of that, so all of the Twitter stuff was dropping the value of the Tesla stock. And I was saying to my friends, like that makes him a bad CEO. Like he's his company is if he's if he were CEO of Exxon and Exxon was losing money because the CEO Todd was privately trying to buy uh, Facebook, people would be like, hey, Todd, like you're making us look bad. Yeah, and also being like, look, I'm basically gambling my company to buy a second company. Right. And that could greatly affect the future of Tesla. Like, board seats could be up for grab. Like, ownership of the company could be up for grab. Um. So yeah, I was saying like this is this is a weird choice to make all for a vanity project to quote unquote save the first amendment which by which I don't I wish more people knew what the first amendment said. I'll I'll put it that way and we don't have to get into that. Um because you don't you don't you're not going to save it by buying Twitter. Twitter has nothing to do with the first amendment. Um but so on top of that, he had a uh one of the VPs of Tesla is a woman who he got, uh, she was pregnant with twins of his. That's not a conflict of interest. Not at all. Not a, not a totally inappropriate relationship between the CEO and one of his underlings that exposes the company to tens of millions of dollars of damages. Not even once. And they're just like, yeah, he's a genius. And I was like, it sounds like he's a bad CEO. Yeah, plus there's almost and nothing good anyone has ever said about him. Like, yeah, very few I, times has been like, because there's been like things like, yeah, he's not a micromanager and like he'll hire really talented people. It's like, wow, talented people exist? That's crazy. Like, it's a surprise that he does that. Yeah, and, and, I, and I didn't want to make it personal. I was just trying to make examples of like, if another CEO did this, they would fire the dude. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like he, like the things that people have to say positively about him don't necessarily make him like the the uber genius that everyone likes to hype him up to be. And, and my friends were just like, he's literally started four of the most successful companies in the world. And so I said, listen, 
mm, there's some, I don't know that I agree with that sentence, but, but I'm willing to say that the guy has a lot of skills in the startup end of things. Even if you just want to say he's just a crazy marketeer, like he can market anything. Like, yeah. And that is part of starting up a company is, is how you market it. Um, Yeah, because all these companies existed before him. That's the thing that's, I think, a lot of people, what they forget. Well, the, the WeWorks guy is back. Yeah, the legend. Billion dollar company. They had to pay him a, a billion dollars to leave his own failed startup. And he, he, he got a trillion dollar valuation at one point and still drove that company into the ground of worthlessness. Well, that's because it was not real. I, 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 no, he couldn't. Here's the thing with that one. If he hadn't been an idiot at the IPO stuff, he could have cashed out because while it wasn't real in the sense that, yeah, you're right. Like they were operating at a loss. They were real in the sense that people wanted to invest in it because lots of people were investing in it. Yeah. My point being when I, when I say he's not real, I mean like he's not real in the fact that like, that business model that they were trying to achieve was never going to be, was never going to be positive. And like, yeah, he could have, he could have cashed out and like people were interested in investing, but that doesn't mean that the, necessarily the product was good. People no, no, invested you're, you're millions right of dollars into billion dollar into, to, what was it? Theranos, the, the fake right. health company right. that never once, mm, never once worked. And you're right about that. You're right that, but it would have been totally uh, legal and valid. The exchanges that would have happened, and the and more importantly, this is what I was. This is what I meant by that is the employees would have been able to cash out their options. Oh yeah, like they would have had something. So for it, so dozens and dozens of people would have made millions of dollars. Uh, now a year from now, would would we work exist? No, probably not. Probably not. But those people all would have gotten the chance to cash in on their startup experience, which is the point. The reason you go to work for a startup is for that equity. If I can get to 1% or 2% and then this bad boy hits the IPO market and the valuations are at a billion dollars, I'll take my 10 million. Yeah. And I'll go home a happy camper. And that is what that is what people that's why people work at startups and, and buy in and cash in options. And people, this is what's crazy about startups. They never tell you this. So they give these guys, a lot of them, they give them the opportunity to buy more stock pre IPO. Cause you know, once you incorporate, you have 10 million shares or whatever. Yeah. Um, you have the finite number of shares that you're always going to have. Well, they would, they would let employees, so there would be employees who would technically be paying the company to work there. Yeah, in in hopes that they would that they're going to cash out big time. Yeah. So like, oh, there was some guy. Uh, I want to say it was at the WeWorks one, where like he lived with his grandparents in New York, and so like they already owned a brownstone or whatever, and so he was just able to live kind of free. Uh, but he was walking every day and he's, and he's eating the salad and doing like as minimal as far as expenses go. And it's so he could put everything that he had back into buying the stock for work. 
And he even borrowed money at the end, right before the IPO, like from his grandparents to buy more stock, to buy more options. Mm-hmm. And you got to think that that guy's not happy. Well, yeah. But again, like that goes to show you like, like what he was valuing was, was I feel like what a lot of people value, which is that quick, not quick, but like, yeah, that, yeah. Like, that damn, golden, like, like that whole, oh, like, this is going to be like the golden opportunity. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy this thing. And it's going to, it's going to, you know, set me up for the rest of my life. When a lot of times, sometimes you just got to be realistic and, you know, thinking about your money. Like, if he'd spent all that time looking at the reality of the situation and being like, oh, this company, like, sure, you might believe in it, but does it work outside of your small world? Right, right, and that's sort of the yeah. What the gamble? I think is really what they're they're doing there. Is there? There's yeah. a chance that this could turn out. This could be my payoff, and that's all they're trying to do. Is a lot of these guys are, you know, um, fire guys. You know, financially independent, retire early type guys, and so they know they just need to reach a certain number and use that number to set themselves up for life, and so they're just kind of racing to that number. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I listen. I don't know that what I would do differently if I worked at a company like that. I would take advantage of all my opportunities to get as many options as possible, absolutely. And I would be so excited on the, you know, as we're coming up on the IPO, and I would be so ready to cash out and so ready to get the F out of there at that point, absolutely. But overall, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say those people get what they deserve. Like, I feel bad for those people because they didn't do it. Um, but yeah. yeah, and it's it's not saying that you can't have the dream or that's even like a bad way to do things. It's just you have to be realistic about everything. Also, just so we're all clear, this is not financial advice. We are not financial deciders of things. Yeah. No Look, research. It's, it's so easy for us to be like, man, look at that WeWork thing. That was crazy. But I'm sure if you were on the ground floor, you were in the office every day, you'd have a much different opinion. Well, and I was I would say that more specifically because of how we, we badmouth Elon Musk and Tesla. Um, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Like it, it, we have our own opinions. But again, right. like you can feel free to do whatever you want with your money. It's your money. We don't have any say in that. It is your money. You be as wrong or as right as you want to be. And you can right. send Look, us a screenshot later. If you, if you slap all your life savings in a Tesla and they triple in value and you have $30 trillion, you're like, I certainly won't have that. Yeah, and I think, listen, whether or not I agree with where the stock price is, it definitely is there. So your value is already in it. There right. was a guy... Uh, they were talking about they were talking to how millennials invest. And so they were talking to this young guy. He's like 28 or something. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, I'm kind of a weirdo. Like I bought a stock, but I only, I just bought one. I only bought one stock. And they're like, Oh, what is it? And he's like, I've been buying Tesla since 2012 or whatever. So this guy was like, Oh wow. So 2012, like it was worth. And he's like, I'll stop my head. Like maybe less than $20. And he's like, yeah, it was, it was a lot less than $20 back at the time. That's why I started buying it because it was like, oh, cool, a uh, electric car company. Oh, the stock's really affordable, neat. And so for years he was just putting whatever money he had into Tesla. And so as that grew from a twenty dollars stock to a 
you know, now it's, I think it's actively trading over $1,200 a share. It's a pretty good growth for his portfolio. Oh, yeah. Like, he put he put his egg in one basket, and that was the basket. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. He was, he definitely managed to get that one correct. Um, But the guy was like, oh, wow, that's your portfolio is pretty happy. He goes, yeah, it's. It makes me look a little bit like a genius," he said. "But I, you know, all I all I did was I just bought one stock, which is also not a good strategy." Yeah, like you, you're just as likely as something to collapse than like. I mean, it's like if the it's like unlike it's like the GameStop guy who bought a million shares of GameStop at four dollars. Oh my gosh! I hate like, I hate all guy those guys. Was, oh man, like that guy was a genius. I hate all those guys like, because I just once I would love for Wall Street bets on Reddit to just, like to tell me to just like someone makes the post where they're just like, "Hey, if you got a hundred bucks sitting around, you should buy all of this right now." And then like a week later, they're like, "Hey, you're a millionaire now. You're welcome." Like just one time, I want that to happen to me. <laughs> yeah like the guy who the guy who originally started that is a is an absolute legend his name is deep effing value <laughs> right like and, and he but like that's all he does is like he's like a crazy analyst and like when the when the GameStop thing happened he was like this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen well, blow this up please and then they're like no problem dog and like his portfolio was worth like a literally I think like I think he turned like a he turned like fourteen thousand dollars into like like forty million dollars or something ridiculous. Yeah, because they they short sellers in a squeeze, and that is a crazy thing. We don't have a ton of time left, but I think first of all, I don't understand. Like, I don't. It doesn't. It's more proof that that the stock market is just gambling in any direction you want to go. That they even have short selling, because the the mechanism is this. When you believe a stock is going to drop in value, you can go to one of these companies and put a short against the stock. And what they do is that company gives you a share of the stock at the current high price. So let's say right now, uh, Todd Incorporated is trading at $15. And you believe... You've, you've looked at the company and you're like, Todd is stupid. So Todd Incorporated is going to fail. The company will give you the short at $15. You sell it right there on the market and you now have $15 in cash. Now you owe them a share of Todd Incorporated though. But what you're counting on is that news is going to break in the next couple cycles because it is a, there's a window that you have to pay the short by um so let's say in this hypothetical it's 30 days within 30 days you have to give them a share back uh on the 22nd day news breaks that todd incorporated is a ponzi scheme and the shares drop to 15 cents well you now buy one share at 15 cents and you give it back to the company and you fulfilled your short option yeah, you made fourteen dollars and eighty-five cents. That's how you profited on this deal. The cash you made from selling the initial share is where you successfully. That's what the option is. Now, the option because it's an option, 
the, the cash is floating in the in the magic of the internet banks um, until you close the option out. Because, like in the matter of GameStop, there were more shorts than there were actual game stocks. Yeah. So, so there's X number of stock in the company of GameStop. Let's hypothetically say it was a thousand shares. So let's say in the Wall Street and all of Wall Street on all in the entire stock market, there were only 1,000 shares of GameStop stock actively trading and being bought and being sold. Well, certain investors were so sure that GameStop was going to fall apart that they shorted more than a thousand options. Also at like a ridiculously low value, by the way. Uh, they were shorting it, and it was at four dollars. Yeah, GameStop wasn't a big trader. It wasn't a big mover. I think, I think at its peak before all of this happened was somewhere in like the eight or nine dollar range, like recent peak. So yeah, when it, when it got down to five or six dollars, and they were still shorting it again, and that's actually what some of the Reddit traders said is that these guys were just absolutely brutal. In their in yeah, their like their evaluations of it, they were they were essentially saying that GameStop was worthless. Well, GameStop has some thirty thousand physical locations, dozen you know, right? A, a dozen employees was... at every store and inventory, so they right. can't be worthless. There has right. to be some, and this is where I think the stock market gets stuff wrong all the time. Is sometimes they just don't actually evaluate things, and so. Yeah, at somewhere in that $5 range, they were still shorting it, and they were still shorting it in excess of the number of shares of the stock. So there's only 1,000 shares in the universe. They were buying 2,000 short options, which means they have to give this company 2,000 shares of GameStop back on internet paper, uh, which means, in theory, they were going to buy the 1,000 in the universe, give them all to this company, buy the thousand from the company, and then give it back to them. Genius level intellect. Well, what you find out is part of what this GameStop thing does is it, it, it reveals that on paper, there's something going on in the world called phantom trading, which is exactly what it sounds like. Companies will sell you shares to things that they don't own yet. So, like, if you're on Robinhood, uh, now, specifically, Robinhood isn't able to do this because they are electronically whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, They're not a real brokerage, as they call it. Right. The genuine brokerages that have been on Wall Street forever, they're not monitored electronically, so they don't necessarily know what they do or don't have on a given instant. Uh, but But when you buy and sell... They sometimes they don't actively go to the market and acquire the shares before they tell you they've bought them, even if that's the process on your little app in your portfolio where it says we've acquired the 12 shares of Bank of America. You wanted to buy. That's not necessarily what actually happens. They take the market rate. They add a percentage to it. They lock in that value and they say, we just we just bought 12 shares of Bank of America stock for you. They didn't. Now they are actively acquiring those shares over the next couple milliseconds or whatever. That's how it's supposed to work. 
Sometimes, though, like in the case of GameStop, there were more shorts than shares existed, which means the mechanism was broken, which means nobody was correctly auditing GameStop's situation. Because, again, in order for there to be more shorts than there are stock, by the second round of transactions, it doesn't make sense. Right. And then once, in short, once you buy all of the GameStop stock in the universe and give it to company A, you can't then buy it back from company A and give it back to company A to finish fulfilling your obligation to them. You pay them more and then you'd be like, you can actually keep them. You just yeah. at that point, you'd just be paying because you, you were like, because you like, I owe you two of this. And they're like, well, you can't give me two of this. And they're like, I guess I'll just pay you double then. Right. It's, you know, and, and hope maybe that's how you try to work it out or whatever. But the reality is, on paper, you owe more than there are shares in the universe. And if you think about this, if the stock market were to operate like the stock market, once you bought all the shares and gave them to company A, company A can determine whatever the value they want is for the shares. So then when you're like, ooh, I need to buy another all of them to settle my my shorts with you, they'd be like, ooh, bad news. The all of them now cost double. Yeah, and uh, basically that happened times uh, six billion percent because GameStop went from a four dollar stock to a four hundred and like fifty dollar stock at its peak. Well, and, and and that happened because the the retailer investors and we are up against it here, but basically they created a market for the shares that wasn't necessarily there before. And all of a sudden, everyone was buying the shares, and so many people were actively buying that they were pushing the value above the short number, just obliterating these companies who, who had yep. thousands and thousands of options open on shorts for GameStop. Because, because that's the, the other thing stop. about that's the other thing about shorts that I love. Uh, your losses and gains are theoretically infinite. That's all, folks. Yeah, options are crazy in that sense. Like, you, you can't, because you don't know, like, you have an idea. Those options early. Yeah, um, you can sell them early. But, you know, if you, if, you, if you buy a stock at 15 and it drops to 10 and your company, you know, you don't have a lot of wiggle room or you don't know what the stock's going to do next. You can close it right there instead of waiting it out. But the longer you hold it and the longer it drops, the more it drops, the more money you've made. So if you're a gambler, and this is where companies lose their shirts, sometimes you hold on to stuff. Because a lot of those shorts probably paid off early enough and then turn around and couldn't. Yeah, it went from it went from, oh, this is great to, oh, God, we're four billion dollars in the hole. <laughs> All right, everybody. We want to thank everybody for listening to Nerd Thug Radio. You guys have a great day. We got another hour coming up right after this. We're doing a replay from last week. Make sure to check out Spotify Battle Red Radio. It is our debut episode this week uh, on Vox Media's official Texans podcast. This is Nerd Thug Radio.